Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn, episode 854, season 15. Hope everybody out there is enjoying uh, their Wednesday as we head towards another weekend and, uh, you know, not that, not too far from the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, tonight, rolling solo. Um, so I will not be joined by one Robert Sat, but I'm sure he is, he is very excited about another victory from his Buffalo Bills. I don't know how we didn't talk about Buffalo. Um, I don't know how excited he is. Though. I have a feeling that he probably was not too pleased with the second half of that Buffalo Green Bay game. But regardless, Buffalo keeps rolling. Uh, they are the best team in the league. Um, and, and we'll talk more about that game uh, very shortly. Themes of this NFL week uh, as we head towards a week nine welcome back offense uh we saw at least eight teams seven to eight teams cracked the 30 point barrier saw a couple of shootouts uh you know as in comparisons to what what we've seen this entire uh season in terms of in terms of offenses it was a explosion so somewhat not all the way but somewhat welcome back to the offense we're gonna go Right away with all the thoughts slash the Buffalo segment. Of course, you know, Robert Savage is not here, but I have some thoughts about their uh, victory over the Green Bay Packers. This game was never in doubt. That's number one. Uh, it wasn't even as close as 27-17. Despite the fact that Green Bay outgained Buffalo 24-7, this game was over. Okay. So, I like, there was a moment. When uh, Green Bay, you know, had a touchdown call back that, you know, maybe it gets, you know, interesting if that touchdown doesn't get called back. But the bottom line is Green Bay was never going to win this game. Uh, they toyed with Buffalo. They toyed with Green Bay in the first half. Um, now, uh, second half, Buffalo did next to, did, did next to nothing. They only had three points. A uh, couple of turnovers, a couple of uh, just sloppy interceptions from Allen. Uh, Jair Alexander picked off two of them. Again, I'll get to some Alexander stuff later on. I don't know why he was doing so much talking. Like, dude, dude your team lost and got really handled. But if you're a Buffalo fan, um, you got to be concerned about the fact that a team had 208 yards rushing on you, and you knew, you knew that that's what they were trying to do. Basically, that was the only thing that they could they could do. Uh, Green Bay, of course, we know that they don't have that the receivers are mediocre. Yeah, the tight end is pretty good, but he can't. You no, know, he's not Travis Kelsey. And it was clear, like you know, 31, 31 rushes, thirty passes. What Green Bay was trying to do, and regards to that, they Buffalo had no answer for it. That is concerning, um, especially being in a conference with Kansas City. Uh, being in a conference uh, with Tennessee, being in a conference with some of those other AFC teams, you know, Baltimore and what have you, even though but I believe Buffalo is, with the exception of Kansas City, heads and shoulders above uh, above everybody, above those above everybody with the exception of Kansas City, Philadelphia possibly in the Super Bowl matchup, 200, you know, 208 yards is a, is a lot of yards. So that, if I'm Buffalo, uh, that was something that uh, I'm sure had the attention uh, uh, of McDermott and Leslie Frazier and company. And again, it is in essence the best of bo- uh, of uh, both worlds because yes, you get the win, you win decisively playing your C game, but you know you know what the goal is. You can tell your teammate, hey, look, we we gotta get this. We gotta get this. Uh, you know we got to get this fixed. You know we, we get we got to tighten this up. Like two hundred and eight yards against Green again a, a Green Bay team and whose offensive by the way Green Bay's offensive line is not it's not a vintage Green Bay offensive line by any stretch of imagination. You know it is not the the twenty twenty the twenty nineteen Packers the twenty twenty Packers. Uh, or you know Green Bay has had traditionally in the and especially in the Aaron Rodgers era some top uh, top five offensive lines in the league. This is not that. They right now to me are a decent offensive line. They're not bad, but they've had some 
injuries. They've had some inconsistencies with with different lineups and Bakayari, that the whole that whole ordeal which has kind of gotten strange. Um last week, I didn't mention this, but last week he practiced for three days but didn't play in the game. And here are Green Bay people talking about rumblings about, you know, what's going on with that. Uh no Elton Jenkins. Um so you know, Buffalo will have to tighten that up if they want to, uh, you know, get to the Super Bowl and more importantly, get, you know, get past Kansas City. But again, Buffalo, you know, they are 6-1. and one. You're at the top of the league. You've beaten Green Bay. You've beaten Baltimore. You've beaten uh, Kansas City. You have, taken, you have one loss on the road against Miami, which was kind of like uh, uh, just a game that you clearly should have won. But that was, you know, can't. I'm not going to go crazy and call that a horrible loss uh, because consider how, you know, my, how well Miami has played when Tua has been healthy and, and, uh, and, and playing well, division rival. So Buffalo is exactly where they want to be. And I'm telling you right now, look at the Buffalo schedule. Their schedule, they've gotten past the rough part of their schedule. 16-1 and one is not off the table. It's not. I still lean towards them probably going fifteen and two, but sixteen and one is not off the table. Like they 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 will be favored in the rest of their games. Uh, now the division is is better than what you know we expected coming into the season. Though I don't have any faith in the Jets or New England by any by any stretch of imagination. But those teams are competitive. Um, but we know like the team that but that you know Buffalo and shit is not. Is not worried, but concerned. It has to be keeping your attention to the Miami Dolphins, and we'll talk more about them, especially considering the trade that they made. Uh, uh, the trade that they made this week. So Buffalo is exactly where they they want to be, exactly where they should be. Uh, getting to Green Bay, Green Bay. This is how you have to play to be competitive. Now, Green Bay, from a contender standpoint, that's over with. They're not. The division is gone. Minnesota is going to run away and hide with the division. Green Bay, right now, you're competing for, well, two things. One, most, most importantly, you are trying to, as a franchise, because you're going to start to hear this if these losses keep piling up. You're competing. You're fighting to, to, to bring back Aaron Rodgers in 2023. Now, just thought about that. Forget about the playoff spot. Like a seven seed or six seed is what that that would mean next to nothing for Green Bay. And we know the NFC is down, but it's not that down. Green Bay would be a if they got in the playoffs as a six or seven seed, they'll be a one and done. This this team is not going anywhere. I don't even care if they trade for a receiver. They can get Odell Beckham, whatever. They they're not this is not going anywhere. You are actually playing for Aaron Rodgers next season. You know what I mean by that is. It could, I can see this thing getting so bad to where Aaron Rodgers says, you know what, fuck this, I'm out. He says, playing money, got his MVPs, has done everything you can do. I should, you know, absolutely, except with the exception of winning more championships, but he does have a Super Bowl championship and a Super Bowl MVP. I'm good. Go play some golf, go hang out. I'm good. I'm taking, I'm, you know, 38 years old. This It's a wrap. Like, I don't see this franchise getting any better. That's what you're playing for. Like you have to convince him that this year was a fluke. Uh, it happens to the best of NFL teams. You were des- you were due for a a year like this, considering what three straight thirteen win seasons, so on and so on. So if this thing goes way left, uh, I can easily see Aaron Rodgers uh, retire. It wouldn't sh- it wouldn't shock me in the least bit. So that to me is what you're playing for. That's the biggest thing that Green Bay as a franchise is playing for, convincing Aaron Rodgers to come back in 2023. Uh, as far as the game of the week, this game was actually closer than the score indicated. Seattle over the, the Jets, excuse me, the Giants, uh, 27-13. Uh, the story of this game was the New York, uh, was the Seattle defense. Seattle defense, which has been bad all season, was great in this game. They hold the Giants to 225 yards total. Um, and, you know, they hold Saquon Barkley in check. Uh, I couldn't have been more impressed with Geno Smith, and I will tell you why. Again, the stats were, you know, pretty good. He didn't make the the big mistake. But the defensive plan 
that the the Brian Dable and the Giants had on him had on him uh in that offense was you know the was near perfect like the the, the actual plan was perfect like they for the most part kept him in the pocket made him a play like they kept everything in front of them for the most part um and Geno Smith made every throw that you could possibly make and matter of fact you know uh Ty, uh, uh Lockett had just a horrific day dropping touchdowns a fumble uh just had one of the worst days he probably has had his entire career he's been a very good player in the league for a while but Geno Smith as far as accuracy goes there hasn't there's not a more accurate quarterback in the league right now than Geno Smith in 2023 and 2022 he has been the most accurate quarterback in 2022 and it's not even close some of the passes that he can even passes that were like incompletes incomplete passes were just some of the most beautiful balls, uh, beautiful thrown balls. That was almost a pause that you will ever see. Like he made a pass to Lockett in the at the end of the first half, and Lockett's foot was out of bounds. But you can't hand the ball to a receiver in a better place. Can't like he is it's just again his transformation into becoming now one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league this season. He has been the most accurate quarterback in the league. It's really remarkable. I mean, we talked about it with Robert Slap like a couple of weeks ago, maybe last, maybe last last week, or even a couple of weeks ago. But like he, or he does, he is not missing passes. Like he's just not. If the ball's incomplete, it's because the receiver dropped it. Like that's all. That's it. That's all there is to it. Or the receiver's out of bounds. Like he's just not missing. So I thought I was impressed with his performance because that the Giant defense is very good. They're legit. They have been a legit top ten defense. The game plan, I thought, uh, to how, how defense Seattle, they held Seattle's running game in check for the most part. So, Geno had to be on his game as far as not. This was a game that was tight for most of the game, and that a big turnover would change the momentum, the entire momentum of this game, which it did in Seattle's favor. So it was one of those tight type of games where one play was going to shift this game. Um, and again, the pre-snap reads that he was making, again, just was not, just does not miss passes. If the ball, he's going to put the ball in the right place where it needs to be, throw receivers open. So I thought he was phenomenal, despite the fact that uh didn't put up like, you know, stats that will jump out, jump out off the page. But I just thought his just manipulation of of, of the defense and his just getting the ball placement was spectacular. Uh, not a big deal for the Giants. On Seattle is a tough place to play. Uh, has become a tough place to play this year. Uh, so that you know that kind of that twelfth man is back. Uh, Seattle's played well. They improved to five and three. Giants fall to six and two. Giants are still um, are still in, somewhat in the division. Like they're now they're about a game and a half uh, a game and a half out of first in terms of. Really, uh, uh, behind Philadelphia, but the Giants are still the Giants. If you're, you know, at the near the midway point, six and two, the Giants are fine, and they will, unless something, unless a, a rash of injuries take takes uh, transpires, they will be in the playoffs. Um, games of note: Miami, Detroit. Um, this was the this was the Tua game. Tua was spectacular in this game, to say the least. He threw a ball. This is the best he's throwing the ball since the Baltimore game. Um, again, had a bad, had a a a uh, was off his game against Pittsburgh, coming off a concussion and the time missed. But he they he was one thousand percent on top of his game uh, against Detroit. And he needed to be because Miami's defense was frankly was not that good. Uh, Detroit was able to jump out on the uh, jump out early um, at fourteen nothing. Miami fought back. Uh, tightened up, you know, in the second half defensively, got enough stops, but their offense exploded in the second half, led by Tua as he just made every pass, you know, just, you know, threw a ball all over the place. And Miami gets a much-needed win on the road. Against a Detroit team that we know Detroit is bad, but they do have an offense that can, like, kind of scare you a little bit at times. They take, they put a, they put up a bunch of yards, and they, they have some nice weapons. Um on the uh, you know, with the running back is, is pretty good, and they, you know, golf occasionally can get hot. So Detroit's one of those teams that you know is horrible, but at home can be somewhat dangerous. They've been competitive in a couple games, 
uh, especially at home. But regardless, uh, Miami was able to handle their business to stay uh, uh, to uh, stay in the AFC, not East race, but the AFC playoff race. Uh, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, of course, this was the Thursday night game. Uh, 27-22, uh, uh, Baltimore was able to uh, – was able to win this game. Baltimore, this game would not have been as close as it was if not for the 101 yards of penalties from Baltimore. Baltimore physically pushed Tampa around 231 yards rushing. They held the ball for 38 minutes. Again, this game is not close if not for the uh, the penalties, 101 yards of penalties from Baltimore, which we all know 100, 100 yards is like the equivalent of seven points once you start having that many that amount of yards and the penalties. Again, not a great performance from Baltimore, from Tampa from Baltimore, but the bottom line is, you know, you go on the road, get a get a win against a desperate Tampa Bay team. Tampa Bay at three and five, similar to Green Bay. They, I mean, they're they're done. Like they're they're not now. Again, they could win that division because that division is so bad. But even if they were to win the division, they're not. They they are a uh, they would be walking dead in the playoffs. Um, nothing to fear out of Tampa. They did some decent things offensively though. Uh, Brady kind of looked, you know, looked okay at times during this game. So this is probably as well as they played offensively maybe the entire season, to be honest, perfectly honest with you. But it wasn't enough against Baltimore. Baltimore gets – listen, Baltimore, if you're Baltimore, you're taking wins any which way you can considering some of your fourth quarter meltdowns this season. But I'm not about to go and say get crazy and say Baltimore is back and should, should be taken seriously. No, they won a game that they absolutely should have won. Uh, San Francisco, L.A., the Rams, the more things change, the more they say the same. The San Francisco 49ers simply own the Rams, like the Rams. And I thought the way this game started, that that streak, that regular season streak, which is now up to eight, not including the NFC Championship, would uh, be snapped. Um, and it started out promising, but San Francisco made adjustments completely dominated the game in the second half, shut out the Rams. This was, of course, the Christian McCaffrey game. Three t- three touchdowns, three different ways with the rushing, receiving, and passing. The pass, uh, the halfback option pass play was beautiful. It was it was a perfectly designed and executed play. Uh, that pass, touchdown pass he threw to, to Brandon Ayuk. Um, San Francisco was going to be dangerous. They, they uh, with this Christian McCaffrey trade, with the Kyle Shanahan play calling and what he could do, with a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who, when he's healthy and on the field, is, is can be one of the most, you know, complete backs uh, in the league, rushing and receiving wise. Like he's he's great, but he's just just not has not similar to Saquon Barkley. He just can't stay on the field. But I I have a feeling like that that is scary. Uh, what some of the stuff that Kyle Shanahan can come can can, can concoct with Christian McCaffrey. Like, he is the, like, ultimate weapon for that team and a much-needed weapon because he can take the pressure off Debo Samuel and, more importantly, take the pressure off Jimmy G from doing Jimmy G-type stuff in in big spots and key moments during the game to lose lose the game. We know how good San Francisco's defense is. I I know the defense hasn't played well for a couple weeks, but they are still legitimately a top-five defense uh, all around. That team is going to be – I'm telling you right now, if I'm in the NFC, I would not want to see them in the first round. Like, I would be wanting to avoid them playing them in a wild card situation. You can't, of course, if you know, or a divisional situation. That I, I, I would want no part of San Francisco. Uh, if I'm a, if I'm a top team in the NFC, i.e., Philadelphia, Minnesota, you know, Dallas, or Dallas, I think San Francisco is going to win that division. I don't think I. I no, I think San Francisco. Excuse me. I think it's going to be a dogfight between San Francisco and Seattle. I still lean towards San Francisco. Remember, despite the fact that San Francisco is one game behind Seattle, they uh, manhandled Seattle earlier this season. Uh, that's really the only bad game that uh, Seattle has played all year long, even in their defeats. Most uh, other than with the with the exception of that loss, that even Seattle's losses have been have been close, but. Uh, this San Francisco team is dangerous. Like they are a a team that can beat on his best day. Can really I, on his best day can compete can beat anybody in the NFC. Now again, I don't think even on their best day, I don't think they can they, they can compete with the likes 
if they were to make a Super Bowl with Buffalo and Kansas City. They're not on that. They even them on their best day. They're not on that level. But in the NFC, they on their best day they can they can beat anybody. Now the problem is they can also lose to anybody. So they, you know, San Francisco is kind of like this mercurial, mercurial team that you don't know quite which team is going to show up at times, especially with the ups and downs of Jimmy G. But we know the defense is – we know they have an excellent defense and we know they're well coached. Uh, look out for them uh, down the stretch. So uh, we're going to kind of take a right turn uh, and – deep dive what has been a colossal failure uh shit show dumpster fire you want to use all those phrases the nets the brooklyn nets uh matches up perfectly with what uh the where with uh where the brooklyn nets are are right now they are a laughing stock of the of the nba right now uh just when you think it can't get worse it does get worse at as we stand here on a Wednesday, uh, first week, uh, first week of November, they are two and six coming off of a Chicago loss, and the night before that, remember, remember they almost lost back to back games to Indiana. They had to fight for their for their lives, their basketball lives, to beat a Indiana team that is not trying to win by any stretch by any stretch of imagination. So, they, you know, they are right now at the bottom as far as not so much with their record. They have one of the worst records, but they just, as a culture, right now they have one of the worst coaches in the league. Uh, I'm going to do, so I'll get to the, to what recently transpired. Probably get their career and stuff. I'll get to Steve Nash. So Steve Nash, yesterday it was announced that Steve Nash and the Nets had mutually parted ways, uh, you know, mutually parted ways after, you know, basically two years of just uh, just madness and a whole lot of what could have been, what wasn't, and what never will be, in my opinion, uh, it got to a point where it was just like, you know what, you need to go your way, I need to go mine. But I'm telling you, normally when you hear the phrase uh, mutually parted ways, it's normally like a nice way of letting the coach go without saying outright, hey, this guy or a person has been dismissed. I believe that this was mutual. And to be honest with you, if I were to guess, I believe that this was more Steve Nash wanting out than the Nets wanting him out. Um, Steve Nash, you remember, you, you forget, if you've forgotten, Steve Nash is worth a boatload of money. He made well over $150 million in salary. That doesn't count endorsements. He owns a club soccer team he has uh i believe five kids three of them are are young he has a number of things that he could be doing rather than other than dealing with this or being in the midst of, of this disaster um and i just think that it got to a point to where you know you <laughs> he just doesn't come off as somebody who is a crisis manager and i don't know how many coaches could could have dealt with what's going on with the Brooklyn um this thing was never going to work out in terms of Steve Nash it just wasn't they never respected him he never should have gotten that job because he had no I mean what I mean had no prior coaching experience he had zero he hadn't he hadn't even served as an assistant I mean, you got guys in the NBA who do eight, some of them do five to 10 years as an assistant before they get a job, okay? <laughs> so it is, there was no apprenticeship. It was just the fact that he was cool with Kevin Durant. They had some Golden State connections. And and the fact that he, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant basically said, this will be a nice, he'll be a nice placeholder as we run the franchise, especially on the court. It's a, he's a nice guy. Remember, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, we don't need a coach. We, this is a collaboration. <laughs> like, and they, they legitimately said that. That's, that's, those were legitimately the words that came out, came out of their mouth, came out of their mouth, especially Kyrie Irving. And at that point, 
you knew that this again this was just it was not going to work for steve like steve nash just was not the guy for this franchise um coaching in, in the nba in 2022 you have to be able to emotionally and relationship wise connect with players you cannot and you cannot you cannot you have to be respected by the players. Like the players have to. Even if if you have a situation where a player does not view you as a coach, in essence, I mean, what? Like you have zero. You have no chance. And there was a number. I mean, like Nash is a, seemingly a smart guy. He was a point guard, and you know, one is like he saw plays before during his playing days besides being a great shooter you know we'll see things before it happens on the court make great decisions but that does not translate to coaching uh that doesn't translate to uh, making adjustments most importantly it definitely doesn't translate to dealing with people there's a difference between being light and respected nash may have been light but again he was not respected at all you know, when one of your players just disappears and gets and say, basically doesn't tell you where he's at, like that literally happened with him and Kyrie Irving last year. Said, I don't, I haven't heard from him. I don't, I don't know where he's at. That's one, like that's one of your top two players saying this. That's like, you know, you leaving your job, not giving your supervisor any heads up. Supervisor, like, well, where are they at? It's for real, for real. I I saw him on Monday. It's Thursday now, and I still haven't heard from him. If I do that, that means I have zero regard for you as a as not only as a coach, but just as a human being. To be honest with you, I have no respect for you. So this thing was not going to happen. I don't feel sorry for Steve Nash. Um, when you walk into a player dominated franchise where the players have all the power, you know. It is what it is. And you like you have to know when somebody doesn't respect you. Like he is seemingly he seemingly was cool with that. And just felt like, hey, we can roll out two all stars or even when they had hard three all stars and, you know, win a chip. Kinda doesn't work like that in the NBA. So the Nets are in a position where they don't have a don't really have too many places they can turn. To be honest with you, as far as as a franchise, now look, well, I'll get to the Udoka stuff in a second. But if you're the Nets right now, like you would, yes, I you would love for Kyrie Irving to be gone on, off the team. I I would think that you would love to, to to move him and and turn a chapter on that. The problem with that is that's Kevin. He's Kevin Durant's guy. Can't do that. Even if you got like ten cent on a dollar, which you probably would get, could get more. Intensity on a dollar for Kyrie Irving, and I'll be honest with you, that it was a time where it was like dead set that I would make a move trading Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook if I'm the Lakers. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not making that trade right now. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not doing it right now because even though I think Irving is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook, I just can't trust Kyrie. At just from a character standpoint, at this point, I just can't. I don't try. I don't trust that you. I, again, I just I can't trust him. And by and by the way, you know he has been again from a basketball standpoint is a guy who has been injury prone as well. So yeah, I take that into consideration. But that trade seemingly was something that was a no brainer for the Lakers to make without getting them giving up the two or first, if they could do it without giving up two first round picks. I as a Laker fan, I don't want Kyrie Irving on my team. To be honest with you, I don't. I I I'd rather we're not winning a championship regard with either one of them. I just give me give me this give me this version of Westbrook and we'll see tonight if he can have three straight good games coming off the bench. But give me this version of Westbrook coming off the bench. I will take that over what Kyrie Irving brings to the table and not just all around. You can't just sit, you can't just say, Oh, he's scoring, you know, coming to last night's game. I don't know where his averages are now. I'm sure they dropped because he only, you know, he had a horrible game. But coming into last night's game, he was averaging like thirty a game. You can't just look at the points because he and Durant right now are putting up empty calorie points. They are empty calorie. The team's the team's losing. Okay. So I don't want to hear about their stats. I don't want to hear about his numbers. 
it's gotten to a point to uh Irving has gotten to a point to where the the distraction outweighs the production, period. So as the Nets, uh they are stuck. They are stuck. Uh their best bet is to let Irving's contract run out. He becomes an outright free agent. They say Sayonara, you know, see ya. And then they proceed to I either try to take a one last shot at building around Kevin Durant or just saying or looking for looking or getting the best deal for Kevin Durant. That's it. As far as Udoka, um, I don't know how that's gonna work out considering that you have two guys in terms of uh Durant and Irving. Now by the way, if you haven't heard, Udoka Kevin, you may Udoka will be the next coach of the, of the Brooklyn Nets. That's going to happen. They're finalizing the contract details probably as we speak. So, in Boston, you know, Boston, don't worry about from that standpoint of one of compensation. Boston could care less about compensation. Boston wants Udoka just out of their hairs. They, from a public relations standpoint, from a just no distraction, no, they, they want them gone. They, that their Boston, they, there were conversations, there were reports that there were conversations between Udoka and the Nets even before this Nash thing went down. So it's like Udoka is going to be the, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, it's, it, this is a very interesting match for, on a, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you have two people who are in kind of desperate situations. The Nets wanting to, take one last shot at, at a championship this year before they probably have to blow this thing up. Uh, and Udoka trying to rebuild his career after what's transpired in, in the last month. I don't think this is a great job, but if you're in me, Udoka, you probably have to take it and let the chips fall where they may be. Um, the idea that Udoka is being left off is being it's being left um taken off the hook from his indiscretions uh is comical. He lost a ton of money. Okay. Lost he lost a ton of money. His negotiating there the Nets probably will get him on the cheap despite their current predicament. He's even probably is as you know he doesn't have too many it's not too many places right now that probably would, would go after him. Uh, there are there are top jobs, um. So he's probably not like not going to get the money that he was going to get had all the stuff not went down with him uh in Boston. So I don't get a sense. I mean, the public embarrassment, his personal life that is 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 you know with the son with his son and having to see all that and like that's a lot that he had to deal with. Self, you know, a self inflicted wound, but that's not. Let's not make it seem like he's getting off scot free just because he's got he's he's going to get another job in the same season. He's not. This net situation is not a. This is a bad situation right now. That culture is is some shit. Period. Okay, it's not an. By the way, if I wasn't in, if if I were a coach who could have who who was in demand, I would not and didn't have a black cloud hanging over my head with. Because of my pre, because of my actions, I would not take this job. So they're they're almost in a sense a a a match for each other from that standpoint. But from the standpoint of basketball and him trying to deal with the personalities with Durant and more so Irving, it's gonna be very interesting because those are two guys that, and this is more so even Irving. I, I think you can coach Durant hard. I'm not sure you can coach Kyrie Irving hard, and Udoka got Boston to where they were at where they were two games away from the finals because he coached those guys hard. He called out he would call out those players, Tatum, Brown, whoever, Marcus Smart. He called them out and coached them hard. And that's why that was the difference between he and Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens might have been great X and O, X and X's and O's, but Brad Stevens his voice did not carry the weight as far as holding players accountable uh to the level that Udoka did last season. Henceforth, they get to the finals and almost win the championship. So I don't know how that works in Brooklyn. Either way, whoever they brought in, and I like Udoka. I think he's a very, I think he's an uh, excellent young coach. I don't see this working out well for uh, for Brooklyn. I don't like. I don't this. I don't think this thing. This they they are their culture again. The, they have no foundation as a franchise. I don't think that. 
one guy, as excellent of, of a coach as he as he is, can change the fortunes of an entire franchise in in with within the season. Considering how fractured this franchise is, I just I just don't think it's possible. That is something that that would have to be done by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Neither one of those guys are leaders. Neither one of those guys like don't like no. This thing is the Titanic right now, and they they are going to have a season where, I mean, I like. If you told me that they would could would miss like, is it off the table that they could miss the playoffs? No, I think they probably probably will make it because because of the playing situation. They'll be at least in the playing, but they, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not amongst the top eight teams. Uh, once the playing uh once the playing term is done, like I I I don't trust it. Like that's this is how this is how far they have fallen as a franchise. Period. As far as the Kyrie uh, deal, listen, we can go back and forth to for eternity about what is anti-Semitic, what is not. Uh, the bottom line is you can't tell another group how to feel, right? If I if I offend you, and I didn't mean to offend you, I still have to acknowledge the fact that okay, I wasn't trying to offend you, right? I'm still going to be like, all right, my, look, I wasn't trying to offend you, but this is this was my perspective. Like, I'm not, but I'm not, what I'm not going to do is sit up here and completely take zero, basically no responsibility for my actions and double or basically, basically triple down on just, insanity like like the stuff Kyrie like you know and as the days have gone along you know the video the, the video that was based on the book on Amazon comes out you see some of the excerpts and some of the Hitler stuff or and some of the you know Holocaust is a hoax and some shit like that it's like what what are we talking about here yeah clearly that's anti-semitism like with like what is something again it's something that if you're Kyrie Irving, and this is what Kyrie Irving is, this is why Kyrie Irving is not a number one on a team. This is why he can't lead your franchise because he just lacks self awareness. I feel he doesn't like he just and he doesn't hold himself accountable. You have you, to be an effective leader. You have to hold yourself accountable uh, if you're going to hold other people accountable. Like even. You know, and by and by the way, Kyrie is all over the place. Like, you know, he calls out the media for criticizing Ben Simmons when in like game one or two, he called out Ben Simmons in the media because he had fouled out of a game. Like, tells the media, give him a chance, but you haven't given him a chance because you're calling him out publicly for fouling out. So that's where Kyrie's at. Because the biggest problem you had in that press conference, that back and forth with Nick Friedle who asked legitimate and fair questions is I'm posting something, but it's not promoting it. That just makes no fucking sense. Like if you post something on your social media platform, that is a form of promotion period. There's no, that's when, when you hear something like that, somebody did be in complete denial of something like that. That's when, that's when like you can, you can't even talk to somebody like that. Like that's no, that's not even a conversation because it's like you, you are clearly have gone left, and I'm not talking about from a political standpoint, but just you're like you're in another place, and you're not like we we're not going to figure about this agreement, agreeing whatever. We can't even agree to disagree. We can't. It can't. It's not even a conversation with somebody who thinks like that. It's not because you're so steadfast in your views and your thoughts and your and your and your in, in terms of what you how you feel that. You're not even going to see anybody else's perspective, and that is where we as a society have have failed miserably. We don't look at nuance. We get caught up in our own thoughts and opinions, and it's like, "Fuck your thoughts, fuck your opinion," and that's no way to go in terms of having a open dialogue and respecting each other as human beings. Excuse me. Now I don't want to sit up here. 
and turn this into a I don't want this to turn into the oppression Olympics, okay? I don't that's the last thing I want to see. Um I just you just got you we just need to learn how to listen to each other in a empathetic and intentional way. Now, as far as Kyrie goes, Kyrie is Kyrie, right? Um, he's gonna he's gonna do what he does. He's going to, you know, completely just again take no accountability. Um uh the media is like the evil empire to him. Anytime you push back on Kyrie's thoughts or his opinions, he completely just shuts you off and just doesn't it's not even it doesn't even become a conversation. It becomes like is kind of like talking to a child. Like he his behavior in that press conference was it was embarrassing. Like I like towards the latter part of that press conference. Like it, it became like a, like, are you kidding me? This is how like dude, dude, you you're like I think Kyrie's thirty. Like yeah, this you're a thirty year old man. Like what what are we doing here? I mean, it was very I'm say it was very unprofessional. He was very under he was chi- he was like a child in that press conference towards the latter part, especially the last two to three minutes. He was. It's like you just you just want to hear what you want to hear and any disagree. I mean, um the one thing I think Fernell could have done differently was say you have to understand what that's where he made a mistake. Because as soon as that word you hear the word have to, Kyrie's gonna be like, I don't have to, you know, that that triggered like you know, who are you to tell me what I gotta do and all that. Then that's that's when it was, you know, it was long gone after that. But other than that, the line of questioning was fine. Um, if you're Kyrie, and you can Kyrie can talk to Colin Kaepernick about this. You can talk to any revolutionary over the course of history, whether it be Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, whoever. You can they go through them all. They when you when you Muhammad Ali, when you are fighting for something that you believe in, right, and you're going against the quote-unquote system or the powers that may be or you have strong opinions or strong views on anything, religion, politics, or whatever, you are going to have to deal with a certain level of smoke. It's going to count. Somebody's going to disagree with you. Somebody's going to think that you're out your mind. Somebody, like, that's just, that, that comes with the territory. That's just part of life, any form of activism. That's just, it, it is what it is. Kyrie wants he wants, you know, he doesn't want any smoke. And that's just not, that's just not, that, that is, that is never going to be the case when you are quote unquote, not quote unquote, not him quote saying he's an activist, but when you, when you, when you are dealing, dealing with non-basketball related activities. And yes, we're like, some sometimes, and again, I respect, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the NBA players, what they've done off the court, business-wise, how they conducted themselves for the most part, especially as in comparison to NFL players where you don't hear nowhere near the amount of off-the-field uh, indiscretions and DUIs and stuff like that with NBA players as you do with the NFL. So, the you know, NBA players, again, have, for the most part, carry themselves like professionals and they, ha- they handle their business. They do a lot in the community and they've been speaking out, especially in the last couple of years, uh, in regards to what's going on in our world, especially amongst the black community. With that being said, you can't have it both ways. Like you can't be, you can't pick and choose when you want to talk about activism or when you want to talk about off the court issues, unless it's personal. Like somebody in your personal life, that's one thing. But this was not about Kyrie, like Kyrie Irving's personal life with his family, wife, or what have you. No, this was about something he posted. He like he. He posted that on his on social media. He talked about Alex Jones. These are things that he has done that the media just so happens happen has happened to respond to. Period. So you can't again, you can't choose when to be an activist versus when to be a basketball player. As soon as there's a lot of times with some of these guys, as soon as there's any pushback to what they think or what they say, it's like, uh, I don't let's talk about basketball. That's not a basketball question. It's like, no, 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 don't don't work like that. You choose to participate in non-basketball activities, chances are you might you're gonna get asked non-basketball questions, especially when this is your doing. This is not nothing that was manufactured. This is not nothing that came off Twitter or it was a rumor or innuendo. No, 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 no. This was you posting 
posting something like this, posting that link to the video on your platform. So, again, the Nets, the Nets are the Nets. It is not like I said. If you're a Nets fan, it's not gonna get. It's only gonna get worse before it gets better. Uh, they, I again, I, I was, even before all this stuff went down, I was amazed about how many people were so high on the Nets going to the season. It, it really just, I'm like, really, you after after what you've seen in the last year to in the last year or so from James Harden on to you know, uh, Durant, you still think you still trust this culture and trust this franchise to make a run? Like, did, did, you're still enamored by the talent? Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, no, this is, I've seen enough. We've come into the season. Like, no, the, the Nets are not contenders. They're not. Like, they'll make the playoffs, but they're not. They are not somebody that I that has a legit chance to win a championship. But I guess – you have to actually see the building burn down before you recognize that there there is an actual fire. So, from that standpoint, so the Nets are who they are. Um, we'll see what happens with you. Udoka, I expect to be named the coach before the weekend is out. To be honest with you, and we will see what you know when, if and when Kyrie Irving ever talks to the media in 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 the next you know couple of weeks or so, or maybe next couple of months. Who knows how long? He hasn't spoken to the media since this transpired with Fredell. Uh, uh, I think it was this what was it Sunday this happened um, over the weekend or even late last week. I ain't lost track of of, of, the, of the days, but he hasn't spoken the week spoken to the media since. So we'll see what transpires uh, moving forward. Uh, getting back to the NFL, stock up. The Tennessee Titans um, have now run off five straight victories after the zero and two start. They are winning games like you know, doing it with defense in the running game. Derrick Henry had a, a 200-yard rushing game uh, this past week. Um, now, again, the thing that makes Tennessee interesting is because in contrary to the team that we just discussed in terms of the Brooklyn Nets, they have a great culture. They have one of the best coaches in the league in Mike Vrabel. We know they've, they've won playoff games with a couple of years ago, getting to the conference championship, losing Kansas City. They they've been a winning team over the last four over the basically the last four years. So they know how to win, and they know how, they know how to win games when they even when they don't even play well. Uh, now the roof error is very small for Tennessee, but again, their team that you now again, but I know Buffalo destroyed them. But that's they're not, but they're not the same team that they that they were when Buffalo destroyed them uh, earlier in the season, forty-one seven. They're not that team anymore. Um. Again, similar. They're kind of similar to San Francisco from the standpoint of, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're a team that I would not want to see, uh, in the playoffs early. They're a team that would buy like they they could do. They could really, uh, they could make things interesting. They're a physical team as well, and and even if you beat them, they could take some out take some out of you for the next round. Stock down. The quarterback class of 2021. I'm going to read you this list in case you would forgotten exactly who was uh, drafted in that, that class. You had Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. Now, I'm still a believer in Trevor Lawrence. He, not getting, he has not played well for the most part, especially in the last month. He's been bad. He's been horrible. Especially, I, I think it probably started with that Philadelphia uh, that four to five turnover game, um, and he seemingly hasn't recovered from that. But I still believe I, I still believe he could be a franchise caliber quarterback. Davis Mills eh, never was supposed to be good to begin with, right? People were high on him after last season when he put up decent numbers on a horrible team. I don't think he had he didn't have high expectations, so I didn't expect much out of him. To like I said, that to him being bad is not a big deal to me. Mac Jones, everybody was on the Mac Jones. Bandwagon last year, he it has come back, crashed back down to earth. He's three touchdowns, seven interceptions, and has been uh, nicked up this year and even involved in a somewhat many weird quarterback controversy, if you want to call it that. Right now, would you trust him with your franchise? Probably not. Trey Lance, injured. Justin Fields, um, hasn't been horrible, but again, haven't seen enough to say I think that he would be a franchise quarterback. And Zach Wilson, frankly, should not be playing starting uh, on a field right now. He shouldn't. 
Like Zach Wilson should be like Joe Flacco really should be starting ahead of Zach Wilson. So the quarterback of the, of the 2021 class as a whole have been uh, have been a major disappointment. Now look, and this the situations we talked about culture during this podcast. Uh, Jacksonville trying to rebuild their culture, Houston trying to rebuild their culture. Patriots culture is some shit right now. It is even at four and four. They're still there. They Bill Belichick is like in the in the twilight zone of his career. Trey Lance, San Francisco. Trey Lance again, not ready to play NFL. Not ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. Fields, horrible culture with Chicago. Even though they passed a moment, still not something. Not a not. They they're better with better off than what they were last year. I still gotta see more. And the Jets, you know, the Jets are in, but with the Jets, actually again, Zach Wilson should not be on the field. Jets actually have played well this year. The defense we know is legit, but obviously don't have enough to put a quarterback on there that's not ready to play. So again, you can be uber talented. Only only one of these guys I think is like that, and that's Lawrence. But the culture of the team of these teams is just not uh, of any of these teams is not stable enough to warrant uh, to kind of keep them afloat and allow them to make mistakes that don't that's not going to like destroy their team. Like the fact that the Jets are part of the reason why the Jets are five and two. I mean, Zach, like like I said, part of the reason why the Jets are five and two is because like Zach Wilson, uh, you know, was able to somewhat manage the game without just doing making doing having miraculous mistakes that and they you can only go so long so long with telling a quarterback hey just manage the game that will only take you so far eventually you have to have a guy that's going to have to make that's going to have to make some, that's going to have to make some plays at certain point at certain point uh, at a certain point again Lance Wilson and I'm telling you right now Looking at this group, the only guy to me that's ready to play right now that I would have confidence starting is is, is Trevor Lawrence. That's the only guy. The rest of those guys, and I, I mean, and Mac Jones to a lesser extent. But I think last year might have been a fluke. So I think Lawrence is the only guy out of those guys that should be that should be that should not be learning holding a clipboard. So listen, just because a lot of quarterbacks go in a particular draft. More times than not, this is what the results are going to be, especially early on. Who won the week? I would say Christian McCaffrey won the week. Um, just a big-time performance getting traded uh, after the trade from Carolina. The three touchdowns, uh, the receiving, uh, passing, and uh, running touchdown. First, The first since uh, Daniel Thompson did it in 2005. Uh, people forget how great of a player Daniel Thompson was. He was a tremendous back during his time listen the question uh the question is can he stay on the field if McCaffrey can stay on the field that takes San Francisco to another level because that's like that is a perfect complimentary piece to Debo Samuel now you can and you can actually it can help Debo Samuel stay healthy by not giving him as much reps and with the runs and what have you so it he could be. He could change the fortune of their entire season. We know what they're coaching. We know how good Kyle Shanahan is with the play calling. Uh, Jimmy G won't. I mean, Jimmy G won't win you a lot of games, but he won't lose you. He won't lose you. You know, he's not going to be. You know, a disaster. He'll be decent. And you know, again, taking pressure off Jimmy G as well. So, uh, and we know what their defense is. Their defense is special. It is one of the best defenses in, in the league. Statistically, I think they took the lead back over Buffalo as far as, far as yards allowed per game. Uh, per game. So, I like I said, I, I think he takes them to another level. I uh, my question is all about my only question that you've already that you've had about McCaffrey was his ability to stay on the field. Never, I never since he's been in the league ever questioned his talent. Uh, we know he's one of the best rushing, receiving threats in the league when he's on the field. So if that indicate, like, again, it, it, you know, the Rams, and by the way, the Rams are not a bad defense. They've struck, their, their struggles have been because Stafford is in the tank right now and their offense, they can't, they, they're obviously outside of Cooper Cup can't get out their own way. So he did it against a very good, a very good Ram defense. 
Um, but uh, that 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 uh, he won the week for me. Biggest disappointment has to be the, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, the Bengals were playing well. Burrow was as high as any quarterback in the league, minus you know Josh Allen last month and Monday night. They just got embarrassed by a Cleveland team that we know is talented, but often inconsistent and more time and you know and without definitely without Deshaun Watson you should never lose that game especially when you're fighting two for now for a division title with the Baltimore Ravens that was an embarrassing loss Miles Garrett Miles Garrett one of the five best defensive players in the league was all over the place the Cleveland ran the ball anytime uh, ran the ball all over Cincinnati and Cincinnati reverted back to you know what they were at the beginning of the season they when they can't protect Joe Burrow they look like uh, they look like one of the worst teams in the league. They protect Joe Burrow. They look like a playoff contender. It's just that is it's basically just that simple. But at this point in the season, you should not have that type of loss to a team like Cleveland, despite the rivalry, despite the division, you know, being a division opponent. Uh, Jacoby Brissett made enough plays, but that more was that that game was more about Cincinnati uh, than to me than it, even than it was about what um, what Cleveland is. Uh, week nine preview. Um, we have Tennessee and Kansas City. Um, very interesting matchup, contrasting styles. We also know we all know that um, you know you want to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Tennessee likes to run the ball. Um, Kansas City, you know, they. Every every year, watching Kansas City move forward. I, I still like. I'm still big on Kansas City. This game, you know, I think Kansas City will handle Tennessee. I know Tennessee has played well, but I I think that I I'm still not trusting of Ryan Tannehill right now. I'm not. And like I, I those receivers, I still don't trust those receivers. I I think you know they can hold Henry to like eighty and ninety yards and. And just not be able to keep up with Kansas City. So I, I look, I'm looking for like a 30, 31, 17, 31, 21 type game uh ordeal with that. I could be wrong. I mean, maybe we're on the we're on the we're in the midst of something special with Tennessee and them making one of these one of these runs uh to surprise a lot of people. But I I think Kansas City will handle them for the most part. Um because I still think they're one dimensional. And I, I, I and I don't think that you can like deal with the Kansas City team being a one-dimensional offense. Buffalo and the Jets, um I think Buffalo will be an angry team. I the prospects of of Zach Wilson against that Buffalo defense it would be terrifying to me if I were a Jet fan. I I could see the Jet defense keeping them in the game maybe for a half, but I I just can't see like this game has four four turnovers, four Jet turnovers written all over it. I would say 34-10, 34, 34-13, 34, that type of deal, 35-17. Uh, I think the Jets struggled to get 17 points in this game, to be perfectly honest with you. Seattle, Arizona, I think just these are two teams going in opposite directions. Opposite directions. Uh, Seattle will handle Arizona. They just will. I, I, I think that Seattle is on a roll right now. That I was very impressed with that giant win. Giants remember Giants came in hot. Um this the this momentum they had, the way Geno Smith was playing. Arizona, I know Hopkins came back, you know, played relatively well, but that's still not enough to me. Uh I I, I haven't liked what I've seen out of Arizona all year long. Like I just don't like I don't like that that energy that that franchise has right now. I still think some of that Kyle, Kyler Murray thing offseason stuff, despite the contract, is still lingering in that locker room. You know I'm not a Kingsbury fan to say at least he's not going. He's not a coach that's going to keep the locker room together. Matter of fact, like traditionally his teams have gotten worse over when it's, as the season has gone along. So you know we're close to being in the second half of the season. They got off to a slow start, so I don't expect that 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 trend to reverse to where they start playing better now that we're getting closer to the, to, to the halfway point and into the second half. And Rams and um. The Rams and Tampa Bay, I mean, two years ago, this would have been, last year, this would have been a classic matchup coming off that great playoff game with Brady almost brought them back. But like, right now, these are two teams that just are not very good. 
I I actually think Tampa Bay is going to win this game. I, the Ram, I mean, I, <laughs> this is a basically a pick em, This is basically a pick em game to be perfectly honest with you. But I think I saw enough out of Tampa's offense against Baltimore to say that maybe they have some some momentum um, going into this week. Uh, the Rams obviously look like a, just a, a, a just shit show. Like they can't get out their own way with the turnover. Stafford has been one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league this year. And I'm not being like, that's not uh, hyperbole. He's been, he has been horrible. Um, Rams still have a very good defense. So does Tampa. I, like I said, this game has 13, 10 written all over it. I think this, this both teams will turn each other over. I think this is come, this could be a come down to similar to the last game time they played to a, to a field goal. I think that this could be, a close game and a defense will dominate. So it's like 13-10 or 17-14. I will go, because of the home field, probably I'll go uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, a couple of real – some real thoughts before I let you go. I'm not going to do do the uh, – couple of things. I'm going to save the commander's stuff with Snyder to next week. There's still some stuff that that's coming out. Didn't I don't want didn't want to rush it just for like a breaking news or some shit like that. I want to kind of – I really – Probably will deep dive that, uh, especially if if Robert Sat if Robert Sat returns, um, if, if we get Sat back on to next week uh, to talk about that, I'm sure he'll have fun. Would have fun, um, you know, making fun of my team or uh, destroying my team. Um, so I'll leave that alone. Um, as far as uh, takeoff, um, again, this has been said far too much over the last couple of years, especially in the hip hop community, uh, with rappers being murdered. Now, I want to make this very clear, um, in terms of rest in peace and, you know, you just feel awful for the family, you know, loved ones, close friends, but I, I want to make this clear. I'm not, this is not on hip hop per se. It just so happens that Takeoff was a rapper, was, is a, was a rapper, part of one of the biggest, uh, hip hop groups in the last decade in, in terms of the Migos. This is not about this him being him being killed or was not it's not about hip hop. This is this is not this is not uh a situation lyrics and where it was a reaction from lyrics and things of that man nature. Anybody that blames hip hop, then you're just being lazy. That's just a lazy narrative that that gets used far too often when, when these things happen. This is a human uh situation this is a like this is a situation where i really want to kind of deep dive this too but I, i'll say this again i want to i want to wait till more things come out i don't like again i'm not i go against the grain when it comes to like speculating like we yeah, have we've heard details about the dice game and we know you know there was a guy they had we have had pictures and he had a gun to that, that's a person of interest uh quavo wasn't shot and you know, again, you've heard rumors of what possibly led up to uh, the shot. Like, yes, we know that, you know, as a fact that it was basically a stray bullet that that uh, takeoff, that that, uh, that killed takeoff. Doesn't make it any uh, different than it, even, if it, even if the person intended to murder takeoff, he's dead. He's, he, regardless, he's dead. But I just want to say, like, again, if you hear that debate, if you hear this, well, this if you hear someone say, well, you see these rappers, I don't even know how you even entertain that conversation. You can entertain the conversation, but you could just just correct them. Like, no, this is not, uh, this is not, he didn't get murdered. He didn't get, he didn't, he's not dead because he's a rapper. Like, that's not, <laughs> it was, he basically was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, again, there are a lot of things um, that I will get into uh, questions that I have and things that I that are on my mind that are on my mind about it that I I, I kind of want to let sit for a couple of days as as some of these as some of the details come out as more things come out but um, you know look uh, this thing this should not have happened that's all there is to it this thing could have been it it it, it could have been de-escalated you would think that and I, I think this is even bigger than the cold conversation 
about guns. Like this is about this is a this was a this was a situation where choices were made. This was a, this was a situation of choices, okay, from ver from various parties and individuals. This was a choice situation. This was a character, a human, a human situation. This is bigger than hip hop, bigger than the the you know the ongoing gun debate that we get into every least once every two weeks when someone is is shot is killed so or by the hands of a of a gun so i'm going to hold off on those two particular subjects until next week we'll flush them out uh discuss it look forward to the conversation have a great rest of your evening this podcast will be up um, early tomorrow morning so long judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.